is because you're not connected to the most important person, which is you. Because when you're present to yourself, usually you don't feel lonely. You can be alone, but you, you're comfortable in that. But there's a lot of people that don't want to be lonely. So they're looking for a person, a partner to feel that void. And it's, you know, the classic of I'm half a circle. I'm looking for another half circle and we connect together and there's a relationship. But the thing is, that is a pattern of almost certain suffering. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Hello, Bettys. Welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. And today we are talking all about love, love, if you will, <laughs> the good kind, uh, with my new friend, David Bernard. He was an introduction from someone else you might know on the podcast, Martin Latulipe, both very well known in the French world, the French speaking world, France and in Quebec. And David is a love coach. So he's an international speaker, uh, he's done over 1300 lectures to his credit. He is a five-time best-selling author and he is a love coach. And so what we spoke about today was all things love. So we talked about the uh, courtship, what are some of the different phases of courtship? So, you know, short term, you know, and we define short term up to three years, medium term, long term. We talk about the ways that we can improve love. So whether you are in a committed relationship right now, or you are looking for something, how you can actually understand the way that you express love and the way that you want to receive love. So we talk about the four love languages that David has uh, incorporated into almost animals. So we talk about the dog, the cat, the canary, and the uh, fish um, in terms of how, you know, the, the for example, the, the dog is, you know, it's the tone, it's the voice, it's the way that you express yourself. The cat is more kinesthetic, more touchy, more feely, more, you know, brrr, you know, like when they want to come up and give you a little nudge. And so we go through the four love languages and how we can identify, are we a cat? Are we a canary? Are we a fish, you know, and how we can um, use this to our advantage in our love life, that we have a primary way that we like to give and receive love, a secondary way. And we talk about this idea of, you know, love is like a bank account, right? It's like the deposits and the withdrawals, how we can add more love to our bank account so that we're, you know, making sure that it's in the black and not going into the red. 
and we talk about heartbreak. We talk about dating in the era of COVID. We talk about the divine feminine, the divine masculine topics that I love. As you, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I love to explore this in my own quest to really uncover what it means to fully embody, you know, my masculine energy and my feminine energy. So we had a really great conversation about that. Talked about the type A Bettys uh, and how we can inadvertently, you know, if we are a boss in the uh, in the boardroom, how we may be pushing away love with not being able to transmute um, into that feminine, softer energy in the bedroom. This is uh, a wonderful conversation, I think, for anybody who is either looking for a relationship, and if you are in a relationship, how to make it better. He really talks about leveling up in a way that we start with the self first. So it's all about mindset. It's all about how we relate to ourselves. And then that can transcend into how we relate to others. And I will have a clickable link for you in the show notes for the program that David is running. It's the first time that he is running it in English. He's been running it in French for many, many years. It is called Ready for Love. And of course, it's all done in English. And it is with some incredible superstars. Martin Latulipe is one of them. It's a 13-week program. So if you're interested in finding out about that, you can find the information in the show notes. So without further delay, please enjoy this juicy conversation with David Bernard. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause, and there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code better for 20% off. All right, David Bernard, welcome to The Better Show. I'm thrilled to welcome you. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm really happy to be there. I don't know if it shows in my face. I'm actually very excited to be there with you. And I was just just saying to you in the pre-chat, uh, you know, we were introduced to uh, through a mutual friend, Martin Latulipe, mm-hmm. and he actually did his first um, English uh, interview on my podcast as no, well. No, get yeah. out of there. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible because uh, on the out, we'll put a link in the show notes for his conversation and his incredible story. And one of the things that he did uh, in the show was he started singing. He was singing about, uh, he was singing a song from A Star Is Born. I think he was singing in, yeah. in The Shallows. It's I know. One of his, it's one of his favorite, I think one of his favorite songs. And my podcast producer, while he was uh, producing it, messaged me. He was like, well, Steph, you've basically made it because you have a Frenchman who was <laughs> serenading you. <laughs> 
it's so it's so funny that now you're here with me and we're going to be talking about love and we're going to be talking yeah. about relationships uh, yeah. so it's a, a nice continuation from you know I had this Frenchman this beautiful you know and of course if you know Martin very Oh, he's I the mean, man. He's beautiful on the outside, but even more beautiful and spectacular on the inside. And yeah. so now we're going to be talking about uh, love and relationships with with you. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. So let's let's <laughs> actually give uh, some of our audience a little bit of your background. Um, mm -hmm. I am relatively new to your work as well. Yeah. And I think my Bettys, uh, which is what we call our, our audience from For well, the Better Show, our Bettys, uh, a little bit of your history. I always love to know where you started, how you actually became a relationship and a love coach and yeah. uh, how you came into this line of work that you're doing now. Oh, how it all began. It was actually a very shy kid. Most of my youth, I spent alone, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. I was I was born in a very loving family where a mom and dad were loving, very loving with two brothers. And at one point, since I didn't know what to do with my life, I started boxing and I became an Olympic boxer for eight years. So I actually fought through life. And my motto at that point was fight in your daily life to get some victories, to go get ahead. And for me, life was actually a battle. It really was. And I did that for about eight years. And at one point I was kind of tired of fighting. I wanted to enjoy myself. <laughs> I wanted to connect with people. So I went and to, to stop fighting and to stop fighting maybe as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny. I wasn't expecting to talk about that, but I actually started boxing because I wanted my dad to love me. He was, um, he was a man who was very loving, but at the same time, very hard and severe. And uh, for him, a real man, it was like in, we love hockey in Canada, obviously. So it was a man who could fight like in, in the ring. It was, it was fighters that he loved the most. So I actually started fighting to get his validation, his love, his approbation. And at one point, it was the beginning for me of a transformation of, starting to look inward and trying to connect with my own self to, well, actually learn to love my own self and not expecting either my mom, my dad, or anybody to take care of me, but to take care of me myself. So yeah, I went that way. And then it, 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 long story short, at 19 years old, um, I did a pilgrimage of about a year long in Morocco, South Africa, North Africa, and uh, Europe to find uh, the answer to a very simple question. What is happiness to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Such an important question. So I was looking for that, that answer. And at one point, long story short, again, it's the, actually the story of my first book. I got caught into a sandstorm in the Sahara Desert, which nearly killed me, actually. And uh, it became, I kind of like I had an epiphany. It became clear to me that the thing that I wanted to do the most was to communicate to people, connect with people and show them not the way, because I don't think I do know the way, but my way, my truth, share my truth. So I came back and started studying. I studied NLP for a long time. Uh, acronym for Neuro Linguistic Programming, Hypnosis, Energy Work, Reiki. And, um, you know, it just little did I knew I was on that path of learning skills to connect with people, help people, coach people. And the thing that passionate me the most was actually love. I've always been a sucker for love. <laughs> I love love. <laughs> and I wanted love in my life so badly for it to work, to have a 
a relationship that was going to, in which I was going to elevate myself, not necessarily fall in love, but actually elevate myself in love. So on that path of trying to learn answers, um, science behind it, if I could say it like that, what makes it work, what makes it tick in a couple that are, you know, healthy, in love, connected, or what's the opposite, what makes it not work. And I started studying it, learning it, traveling to try to learn from the best, uh, reading about it. And in a span of about 15 years, here I am today, I became a love coach. (laughs) That's so interesting. I think, um, you know, I think in some sense, we're all searching for what happiness means. And I think that there can be I think that there can be a bit of a falsehood as well, where we think that we always have to be like, what happiness means is maybe it's material, maybe it's, you know, and we'll talk about love languages in a moment, but you know, what yeah. love means for different people, you know, could be gifts, it could be quality time, it could be all Absolutely. of these different It's very subjective. It's very subjective. It's very subjective. And it's, and I think that there's also a bit of a uh, unreal, in some, some ways, an unrealistic expectation that we need to be happy all the time. Which that, is absolutely unrealistic. Yes, I, I, I agree. Absolutely unrealistic. So talk to me a little bit about what, you know, when you were in the Sahara Desert, you were, you yeah. know, maybe in this sandstorm, what was the, you know, you said you had this epiphany and what, yeah. what did you learn about? What does happiness mean to you? And, you, and of course, understanding that this is a variance for everyone, but what do you think, what does it mean in, in, in your world? Oh, I love where it's going. I wasn't expecting to talk about that. For me, it's about two words, slowing down. It's one of my main concepts. I've talked about it for a long time because yes, I do. I am a love coach. I've been doing this for 15 years, but uh, I also work in show business as a TV host. I've wrote five books uh, and I'm a keynote speaker mostly. I've been doing this for 15 years now about 15, 1600 keynotes in different countries. And the, my all time favorite topic, the thing that I love to talk about the most is the importance in these modern day and age, the importance of slowing down because everything is going so fast. And we're in this era of dopamine where it's always instant gratification, being happy all the time. And if you're not, then you're wrong. And you can see this huge shift in society right now in the world where people are seeking answers. They're looking for answers. And, you know, back in the days, people were looking in answers for answers in the church, in religion. And at one point it started shifting and people were kind of left alone. They were like, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn to, to get my answers. And now slowly we can see that people are starting to learn to look inward, to look inside of them for the answers, for their truth, for their own guidance, for their true north north on their GPS, on their compass. And so for me, the epiphany in the desert because I was always going so fast and my life was so fast paced and it was always about the next thing and the next thing and accomplishing, being productive, performing. At that point, I realized like, take a knee, just stop, breathe and be present. And it's one of the deepest teaching that I've integrated throughout the years is to be present in life. There's so many people that I cross my path. They're there but they're not there. They're absent. They're seeking everywhere, 
but it's right in front of them. They're seeking happiness. They're seeking evolution. They're seeking growth, but it's right in front of them. But they don't, they don't see it because they're, they're too anxious. They're too in the, the, the revolving of the motor is too fast. So for me in the, the desert, the desert, it was all about slowing down, being in that moment where you realize that you're unique, you're extraordinary, but you're very, very small in this infinite universe. So find what makes you tick, find what makes you happy, find what gives purpose, meaning to your life. And this will drive you for the rest of your life of, of what's to come of the adventure, slowing down. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you just sent me an outline of your uh, program, Ready for Love. And one of mm -hmm. the, which we'll talk about today, um, but one of the first pillars is connecting with yourself. So <sighs> what you're, what you're okay. talking about here is really very much, and I resonate with this, when we slow down, you're able to almost take a reading, right? Like what's going on in my body? So often we are very much in our heads. I talk about, we have a lot, you know, a very large female audience. Yeah. And I would say that this is true for men and women, but my experience of course dictates, uh, you know, I'm drawing on my experience from women. We are always in our heads. What's the next thing? The kids are going to soccer and then I got to <laughs> cook the, cook the dinner and then I got to clean the, this and I got to, so when we when we think about connecting to ourselves, can you speak a little bit about what and, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we started is I want to talk about your body of work and also give my women some actionable items. So mm. and you can do this through, you know, examples that you have either coached on or you have found yourself uh, you have found to be very useful in terms of what does it what is it like to slow down? Because sometimes I have women that are just spinning their wheels like they're they're going a million miles a minute. And, you know, you say to them, slow down and like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have time for to slow down. Like I have so many different things that I need to achieve today or this week or this month or this quarter. So what are, what are some actionable items that we can give our women that are listening in terms of what has been, what has, what have you seen in practice that has helped people slow down? <laughs> it's kind of funny. It reminds me of, one of uh, one of my clients, she was actually called Dorothy, just like with the Wizard of Oz yeah. <laughs> that I saw about uh, a few days ago. And one of her biggest challenge was that she was super anxious, super agitated all the time. And she yeah. said, David, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's like it doesn't click. It's like it doesn't sink in. Just, just show me how I'm like, I ain't going to show you all. I'm going to we're going to live it together. So actually, Betty, you're listening to me right now. Stephanie, you're there. We can do it right away. Something that's very action actionable, very easy to do that I teach. And it's about amplifying your presence. So the first thing that I would recommend is just and it's always the same. It's not rocket science. But once you it's not about knowing about it, it's about applying the knowledge that is so important. So the first thing is breath work just about, we forget about it. I, myself, I teach it all of the time, but just about connecting with your breath. That's the, it's always the first step. Just connect with the breath. The second that you're anxious or that your mind is wandering in the past, in the future, that you're somewhere, it's spinning out of control. Just, just come back to the basics of just breathe. Now, to amplify the presence is kind of an art. It's a craft. But very shortly in, in a spent of a minute and something, what I would recommend is something that has been very useful to me, that has been actually taught to me by 
uh, a shaman. <laughs> it was actually not a shaman, but a, a very mystique person in Sri Lanka. And he said, if you want to amplify your presence, meaning amplified presence, it means that you feel your, I don't want it to, to go into spiritual terms, but you feel your incarnation. You feel that you are rooted into reality, that you're present in your reality. So how do you do that? Well, first, just use your tools that are accessible to you, which are your senses. Start by breathing. Just simply start into a normal, regular breathing. And then for the spent of about 30 seconds, go into your peripheral vision. Try to open your peripheral vision on each side, on your left and on your right. So this, so, but you always stay connected and focused to one point in front of you. And while you're looking in front of you, you try to open it as wide as possible. And some people, they notice big differences. Some others, they're like, nah, I don't really see any differences. It's okay. Sometimes it takes time, practice. For some others, it's like, whoa, it's a revelation. So you start with peripheral vision on each side. After 30 seconds, 45, a minute, you do the same thing, but for up and down. So you're trying to see as higher as, as high as you can with your vision and as low as you can at the same time while you're fixing the point in front of you. So the purpose of this exercise is to simply put yourself in the reality and focus on what's external and try to grasp as much as possible, see, perceive as much as possible, because we're missing a lot of information daily. There's like millions of informations available to us, but usually the nervous system can see as much as five to seven infos in the span of a second. When I say infos, I mean what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you feel, what you taste. Five to seven in millions. This is why people don't see the same thing when they're looking at the same thing. They don't see the same thing. They don't perceive the same thing because it's filtered by their values their beliefs, their perception. And sometimes it's distortioned because of everything that the process that's happening inside. So when you want to be into the state of amplified presence, you just open left and right, up and down. When you feel that you're rooted a bit more into that state, what you focus on now is your perception, your Woman, it's a little easier. Like Betty, you listening to me? Usually you're better at this than, than men. It's like you got this intuition. It's a, a little bit more embedded into you than men. Most, it's a generalization, but most. So you just get on into you intuitive feeling, meaning you just feel what's out there because there's what's visible, but there's also what's invisible in that field. Meaning you don't see Wi-Fi. You don't see electricity, but nonetheless, it exists. So there's a lot of information out there that you won't see with your eyes, but that you can perceive with all of your being, your nervous system, if you're present and you pay attention. As I said, this is an art and it took me a little while to integrate it in my, in my daily life. And sometimes when I'm not connected, I can't see nothing. <laughs> but when I really do apply the teachings... It's absolutely crazy what I do manifest and attract in my life and what I perceive in my life. It's like we're talking about love. For me, that's one of the stepping stone. The more present you are, it's almost like shifting realities. It's almost like, oh, I'm starting to notice things that I've never noticed before, or I see colors more vibrantly, or I, I notice events or people. It's like, and usually before I was more into my 
um, my own little world, feeling my feelings, thinking my thoughts. And then it got, brought me some feelings and it's like, it's a spin. And usually human beings, we ask about the three, four, five same questions over and over and over again. So we kind of, we get caught up into that loop, but when we fight that gravity and push the attention, the focus outside, outward, and we connect with what's happening, woo, baby, miracles can happen. It really can shift. I love what you're saying because essentially what you're talking about is getting out of your sympathetic nervous system yes. and getting into your parasympathetic nervous exactly. system. Exactly. Right. And this, I, I love these exercises, this um, amplifying the present, being rooted in reality and using all the senses, because so often, again, we're just in our head running the algorithms, we're unconscious. Mm. And when you're, when you are, I often call this sinking beneath the throat, right? So like we all like to <laughs> like sort of it. live, we sort of all live like throat up, but when you're okay, like what's coming into my ears, what do I feel on my skin? You know, what is, are the, oh, I never noticed the birds are chirping, you know, like these different um, inputs and allowing them to take uh, place. And then again, with that focus on the breath, then we come into this uh, place of expansion, I would say with, you know, when you are in your parasympathetic, this is, you know, we often call it rest and digest, stay and play. And yeah. you, you used a word that I love, which is manifestation. And I think mm -hmm. that, I think men and women are both very powerful manifestors. I think that you can call in when you are in that state, um, of that, you know, of, sinking into your body and feeling where the energy needs to move. Oh. You can call in the things that oh. you want. Absolutely. So much so. And it's I, one of the things that I really love that you just mentioned is the fact that most human beings, they're living stuck in their head. Mm. It's like they get caught up in there. But the thing is that they don't realize they have a whole set of antennas, their nervous system, which is so receptive. And when you learn to connect with it, to feel it, to uh, be in tune with it, there's so much information that you can get access to first and so much power as well to manifest in your life. It's like, you know, the past 15 years, it started with the secret and everything that came after that. It's like the law of manifestation of attraction. And don't get me wrong. I love it. The thing is, I think it's been sold in some ways like it's something magical and it actually can be i mean uh, like not arguing if he existed or not but if you're jesus christ and you can change water into wine then amen to that that's beautiful but for us regular human beings um throughout centuries we've kind of dimmed a little bit that power but the thing is you can't crank it up you can use that power to manifest you can amplify it in your daily life a lot more than we're conscious of but the thing is now with the recipe that we were given it's like for 30 minutes you go i like for example if you're single i deserve love i deserve love i want love and now you try to be in that grateful state like oh yeah i'm so grateful thank you so much i know that the the person is coming i can feel it that's for 30 minutes and then for 23 hours and 30 minutes you go into a mode of yeah well I don't know if it's going to work. Life's difficult. And I've been betrayed in the past. And the last one cheated on me. And uh, life is so complicated when you're in a relationship. Maybe I'm better alone. It's like, do the math, like 23 hours and a half, 30 minutes. It, of course, it's not going to work because you're not in tune in the same place because there's a lot of there's a lot of crap out there, which is what we teach 
um, our people, when we start that process of ready for love, like almost a third of the process, almost even more than a third of the process, it's about getting rid of all these limiting beliefs, uh, false beliefs that are just slowing you down, stopping you, getting just draining your power so that there's none left for you to create. There's none left for you to manifest in your life because all of that power is being drained out into limiting stuff and fear and being closed. So it's all about starting there, getting there, clearing all of the, the bad stuff, the crap, realigning it, and then beaming out what you're looking for. And usually when you follow the process, it's not an ultimate recipe. I don't believe in ultimate recipes, but <laughs> I really believe that there's some, you know, when you do that for 15 years, you got to be crazy, crazy not to see common denominators and things that works and things that doesn't. So yeah, manifesting is, as you said, we are immensely more powerful than we, we, we know that we understand. And it's just about learning and going back into that slowly baby steps but slowly getting there and working that magic and that process into manifesting in your life i love that Let, let's talk about you mentioned something i want to just double click on it for a moment which was <laughs> previous relationships and you maybe you've been betrayed maybe your partner cheated on you maybe it didn't mm. work out the way that you were hoping or the way that they were hoping yeah um and you were talking about these limiting beliefs. And I, uh, I've i talked about this on the pod before where I believe that your the stories that you tell, like the beliefs that you hold will determine your behaviors. And you mentioned that, you know, if it's 30 minutes of like, you know, calling him in, calling in Mr. Right. <laughs> and then 23 and a half hours is like, God, this sucks. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not like the balance, you know, the balance is off there. Yeah. But what would you say to someone? Because we've all, you know, and, you know, we've redefined trauma on, on the pod with um, uh, people like Nicola Pera, where we talk about like big trauma, you know, like the big trauma that we can all, like I was physically abused, sexual abuse, or, right. or heavy small, stuff. heavy stuff, or things that maybe are not necessarily heavy, where you might mm -hmm. feel like, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, my father really loved these fighters and I wanted to be a boxer so that I could also have his attention the way that he gave his attention to these fighters. So that would also be maybe not trauma in the traditional definition of it, mm -hmm. but you made certain decisions based on the story mm -hmm. that you were telling yourself. So yes. for people who have been, and you know, we can talk about dating and COVID and all the complications that yeah. that sort of can present, but before we, before we go in there, for someone who has been betrayed or who, who has, you know, thorns around their heart, let's say like there's mm -hmm. a wall around their heart. They're not willing to share because they're scared of getting hurt. Yeah. How do we overcome that? What are some of the ways that we can slowly allow the thorns to unravel the heart or mm -hmm. take down the wall to be able to show who we truly are in the world? It's kind of a tricky question because I don't think that there's, <laughs> I can see your, your There's not one way. There. I know. And it's, there's, it's, it's, there's it's a hard question. Way. It's like, yes. I don't want to, yeah. there's multiple angles to which I could tackle the answer because like uh, we're all unique and yeah. we all, uh, I've seen some miraculous shift 
And some people, like, for example, I could talk about a technique that I've been using for a long time, which is kind of loved by millions, but for some call it pseudoscience. So it's kind of, it's always kind of tricky when I talk about it. But for example, um, emotional freedom technique is something that's very efficient that I've been using with a lot of my clients. Um, EFT, that's called, some people call it tapping. To free yourself of, of trauma, to free yourself of emotional wounds that are holding you back. If you're interested in that, uh, Betty, listening to me, you should look into it. It's very, for me, it's been very efficient. But to answer your question more precisely, the very first thing I'd like to tell, to say is, I understand. I really do. If you're in pain right now, if you're listening to Stephanie and I, and you're, you're suffering, you're trying to, you're looking for a way out of that suffering and you're, you're, you know, talking to yourself saying, is it ever going to end? Or like, this really is bad. And like, I'm seriously wounded. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to trust again. Um, don't be fooled by the appearances of the guy talking to you right now. Uh, a lot of people project things on me because I've been working in show business and I kind of look like the guy that everything succeeds with, but um, I've been hurt at my fair share of times. I had two huge, immense heartbreaks in my life that got me real down. One of, one of them brought me into a huge depression for a year and a half. And I was at, I was really at the bottom of the barrel. It was really dark. It was, I don't know if I would call that the dark night of the soul, but if I'm being really, really authentic with you guys and really honest, um, the one thing that kept me on this hurt was my daughter. Otherwise I probably would have left. So I know it's kind of heavy to say it like that, but I understand suffering very much. So, um, you know, the first thing that I'd like to, to say is that even if right now it doesn't seem like it, it's great because right now, if you're suffering, it means that you're still alive and that your heart is still open. Uh, so many of my clients I've met initially and their heart is closed. And because it's closed, they don't feel anything. So they're kind of numb, which is a way that you can, you know, pass through some periods of your life. But being numb, you can go through a period of your life, but life is meant to be filled life is meant to be experienced in all of its spheres, all of its experience. So it's amazing to feel. It's amazing that right now you're suffering, but at the same time you're suffering because your heart is open. So you, you are still, you still believe in love, which is amazing because you could have just said, you know, it's over for me. <laughs> I'm done with it. Second thing I would say is that your suffering right now is part of the solution in the sense that it's kind of funny. It reminds me of uh, a client that I had. She was called Giselle and she was in great pain. She was in a relationship for 17 years and um, her husband left her for a younger woman and she was devastated by it. But the thing is, you know, initially we did a, a bit of the process of accepting what was and rooting in the presence just to find a measure of peace in all of that turmoil. And at one point, we got into the suffering part and she realized it for her, it was almost like an epiphany that her suffering was actually trying to teach her something that her suffering was actually part of the remedy, which is so important to understand. You know, human beings, we don't like to suffer. So when we suffer, we try to numb it. We try to flee it. We try to get away from it. But the thing is, 
if you're suffering and you can acknowledge it and really feel that pain, it's part of the process to heal you. It's part of the process to teach you something that is so profound, so important about yourself about the past relationship, about what went wrong, about what was right. And if you're willing to not try to numb it, but go right in it and really live it, girl, you're going to free yourself and you're going to evolve and you're going to elevate yourself. But at first, you got to go through that pain and pain is part of the process. So I would go with just be, be conscious that Suffering is part of the remedy, like in a very short bubble. I could speak for about an hour about it, but I would say just be conscious that pain is a part of the remedy. And lastly, I would say that if, if you can make the distinction between two terms that are not even nuanced, progression and diversion, when you're suffering, when you are healing from a heartbreak, you kind of have two paths that are drawn in front of you that are proposed to you. The most common one is, is diversion. And you, you know, your girlfriends are going to go like, girl, just come out. Let's go out. Let's have some drinks and let's have some fun. Or you binge Netflix or you have a hookup for a night and you just go for one night and you meet a guy and you bring him home, bring him home. Or, uh, you know, you do things that are kind of a diversion, which are taking you away from the healing process because you want to just, change your mind to think about something else. I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm actually, it can be a good thing, but be conscious that diversions will always bring you an emotional hangover, meaning that you're going to have a price to pay. There's going to be a consequence. But if in the other direction, you choose something that will bring you progression, this is where the magic happens. Like revisit your bucket list, your, your, uh, your goals, short terms, like what do you want to accomplish? It could be learning a new, a new skill, starting to cook, uh, losing five pounds, uh, starting to learn a new language, uh, uh, writing a book, whatever drives you, whatever you feel like this is going to give a feeling of progression to your life. And this feeling of progression will make you feel like you're not stagnating, like you're not stalling in there waiting for something to happen, but you're actually gaining back control over your life. Not this is control. It can, can be an illusion. I kind of, I want to pick my words, but you, you're investing and you're taking responsibility for your own happiness, for progression in your life. And that feeling is going to elevate you. So we have to be conscious that healing is a process. Healing overnight, miracles, it can happen. I've seen it, but for most people, it's a process. So it's about what you will do in that process to feed either the healing or the stalling into diversion. That's what I would say. I think that is so profound. And I agree with you. I think that when you hit rock bottom, so Giselle, your client who was devastated by, um, you know, the, uh, you know, her husband leaving her for another woman, I think hitting rock bottom is actually a very powerful place to be because you, you learn who the hell you are. Yeah. You learn who the <laughs> hell you are when everything has been taken away from you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've shared this on the, on the podcast before, but I'll share it with you. I, um, myself, I had at the same time, my clinic, when I was in uh, physical practice, um, had a huge fire, the clinic burned. And then at the same time, 
time I was separating from my husband with two young children. So I was just, there was nothing like there was like my family and my professional life seemed like they were both just completely unfurling like a ball of yarn. Like I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get ahead of it. But in, in those moments, even when I, and I'm not saying that, you know, I was like wonder woman and I was holding up my shield and it was all, you know, the, the stuff of, you know, movies, there was profoundly sad, profoundly painful days and nights. Um, but I also learned who the hell I was and yeah. what it is that I wanted to create in my life. And, you know, you were, I love this idea of progression and diversion because I think mm. most of us, you know, when we are in so much pain, we're just like, give me a little hit of pleasure. Give me a, a night with the girls. Give me yeah. like a night, fl- you know, let me, you know, <laughs> drink my sorrows away or, you know, whatever. We're whatever human th- beings. Yeah. We, we want to balance the pain with pleasure. Yeah. But I think that the progression reframe is so powerful, particularly, uh, I think for the women that listen to the show, very action oriented, very intelligent, uh, it puts you in momentum when you are, you know, you're learning a new language or you say, Hey, I'm going to lose five pounds, or I'm going to, you know, work on that business that I've always wanted to start on the side, getting you in momentum in that forward movement. Like there's nothing like it. I've often said, I feel like personally, I feel like you know, when we, when we think back to our foremothers and our forefathers, we had like the hunters, you know, the ones who ran out and got the boar, killed the boar, bring it back to the tribe or whatever. I feel like a huntress, like when I am hunting, like when I'm on the hunt for a, for a goal, you know, not hunting for a boar or whatever, but you know, when I'm hunting for a goal, when I feel like I'm making progress, I'm getting closer. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel that completely. It's very interesting. It, it would actually lead me on another topic, but I'm like, uh, I'm, ref- I'm restraining myself right now. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, 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 no. Let, let's definitely <laughs> relax. It's very interesting when you get into that energy, that yang energy of, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to take control. I'm going to take it back and, you know, be responsible for, for my life and my happiness. And this is where change starts to happen. Magic happens when you put yourself in the shoes of, you're the one in charge. You're responsible. So many people, they, they go into the victim mode and they're like, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of my past. I'm a victim of my, uh, my late husband or of, of my boss or of whatever the circumstances of my life. But the thing is, it's not about, you know, that Stephanie, it's, it's not about what's happening. It's and no about one's coming to save you. No, no one's, one's coming. No to one's save coming you. to save you. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. Mm. There's no, there's no white knight and we're, we're going to talk about love. I, I definitely want to talk about the relationship piece and we're kind of leading into it, but yeah. there's no white knight. You no, are none. the white knight. You yeah. are the one who's going to save yourself. And so let's, let's actually go into male and female energy because that's yeah. something I love to talk about. So let, <laughs> let, <laughs> I'm curious to get your feel on it actually. <laughs> yeah. I, so when we're, when we're talking about, um, you know, the energy of love, you know, in this yeah. context, the energy of love, yeah. what are some of the differences? Um, and we've been talking a little bit about that yang, that more male oriented yeah. mm-hmm. masculine energy. Talk to us a little bit about what masculine energy uh, okay. means, what feminine feminine energy means and how that shows up in okay. relationships. Um, okay. So for first, maybe I should say that I, I don't want to get into any troubles because I, I'm, 
I wouldn't say that I'm very positioned on it, but usually my take on it, it's, it, it challenges people because um, in these days and age, it's, it's, very, it's more complicated than it was before with the pronouns and you know, the orientation and sexual preferences and everything. And for me, it's always a thing that I go back to, which is the energy of love because it doesn't matter what, well, this is, this is gender agnostic. We're not exactly. talking about, pro, we're not talking, exactly. we're talking about exactly everybody has masculine, everybody has feminine That's energy. It. Yeah. So, well, you know, okay, let's start from the basics. If you, if you, if you want to, um, there's this fabric of life, this energy in life. Some, uh, the, the, uh, the Indian would call it prana. Uh, the Asian will call it the chi. Uh, in Star Wars, they'll call it the force. Uh, you mm-hmm. talk to Christians, they'll say the Holy Spirit. I'm kind of tweaking it. But in Asia, they call it the chi. And the chi is the ultimate energy of life, the building material of life. If you go into quantum physics, you learn that the infinitely small and infinitely big is all connected and all the same. So this energy of chi is separated into complementary energy, which is the yin and the yang. The yin is the feminine energy. It's more uh, resilient. It's more subtle. It's compassion. It's openness. It's femininity. It's a bit like water. Water can be absolutely super powerful, but it's more resilient and it's worth doing. And the yang energy is more, it's more like the male energy. It's a stronger energy. It's a pushing energy. It's a, it's a building energy. It's more, like, it's more like fire. So those two energy, we all have inside of us, but to different levels. So you can meet a, a man that's that's more yin, that's more feminine in, in his energy, and you can make you can meet a, a female that is more yang in their energy, which is absolutely fine. Here's the thing that's interesting: a few decades ago, gender and the energy with the genders was very square. It was very typical. Like men had to be yang. They were farmers. They worked the earth and women were more yin. They were taking care of the kids of the house cooking. And that's the way it was until at one point the feminist movement arrived, which was amazing because it it gave the power back to the women, which I think arrived even too late. It was, it was a good time for it to happen. But at that point, the thing that happened that's very interesting is that the energy started to shift. So women started integrating a little bit more of the yang energy to be more productive in the business world, because unfortunately, I I don't agree with it. But the thing is, it's in many fields, it's still a boys club. So women had to integrate a lot of yang energy to make their place. At the same time, they still were in the house most of the time. So they had to manage the house, the kids and everything. So they had to integrate a lot of yang energy. So they became a little bit more yang. As a balance, because human being, just as life by itself, is always looking to find balance. It's a movement. It's a dance. It's never, it's never finished. Males started integrating a bit more of the yin energy, the female energy. You could see it with the movement like uh, metrosexual, sexual, ubersexual. Men became a bit more pink. They started to talk a little bit more. They started to express their feelings a little bit more, which was a good thing. But then at one point, it started to get... Uh, it went in all kinds of different, different directions. So now these days, one of the biggest um, challenge that I see in my clientele is that the woman, they come in my office and they go, I want a man that's a man. I'm looking for a man who's going to have that yang energy. I go into a place and they're like, they're shy. They're not really, you know, proactive. I don't, I, where are the good mans? Where are the real mans? And where are the manly men? 
yeah, yeah. where are the manly man and yeah. Yeah, the women and the men's are like, I, I don't know what to do to please her. I mean, like I'm trying to express my feelings and to connect and to, to be there. So it's kind of uh, a, a little dance that's became a little bit more complicated throughout the years. So what I, and it's very personal, but what I've, from my research of the past 15 years, what I've noticed that really works the best. And most of my clientele, I have to say, is more women. It's, it's Betty's. So what I try to teach them is, girl, hear me out, okay? When you get out of the castle, you put on your armor and your sword and you're on your horse and you slay dragon. That is amazing. Keep doing it. You rocket girl. You're amazing. I'm proud of you. This is amazing. But when you get back in the castle, you need to shift back into that energy of the goddess, the energy of the queen, more yin, more receptive. Because when you try to be the king of the castle more than the man, then that's when the problem starts to occur because it, it, it scares away the man. And for many reasons, and I, it, we could talk about it for a long time because if you're a really strong and independent woman, you could, you, you could go like, yeah, I know, but I just, I'm looking for a strong manly man and that's it. I mean, the other ones, I'm not interested in them. I understand. <laughs> Don't get well, on your I would argue, I would, I would argue that being so strong all the time, that that's usually some sort of trauma response. Absolutely. And, I'll, and I'll be honest and open and transparent and say, you know, very much my own story as well. So like needed mm -hmm. to do the grades, needed to secure, like needed to be the doctor, yeah. needed to be the top of my class, needed to blah, 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 because yeah. I was trying to control the yeah. outcome. And I would say that many women, you know, to your point, will say, well, like where the manly men and yeah. I can't like, I, you know, men are intimidated by how much money yeah. I'm making and what I'm yeah. doing. And I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that mm -hmm. so many women, myself included, and I am still a work in progress. So, you know, be, please be kind. We um, all are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it's, it's hard. It's hard when that armor has protected us yes. for so long for us to say, okay, I'm going to take the armor off and I'm going to have nothing. I'm just bearing, I'm just naked in front. Like yeah. I'm just bearing my soul. Like here I am. No, it, it's hard because it's, it's, um, it's been a strategy that's worked for us. Yeah. So it's hard to abandon that. And I think, um, that's why I've become so obsessed with this idea of the goddess, with this feminine yeah, energy, um, with the, uh, the idea of surrender yeah. and not controlling and dictating because oh, this beautiful. is, this is how this is how we move into our feminine energy. Yeah. And I've talked about this and I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, but I wanted to just share this with you. When a woman ovulates, so we talk a lot about periods yeah. and all that yeah, on the yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I know. So we <laughs> we talk about I talk about this idea of egg wisdom. Like the egg is released and she sits there like a queen. She doesn't run up and down the fallopian tube looking for the sperm. She's like, "I'm ready," you know? So she sends out a signal and then the sperm come to mm -hmm. her. Exactly. And this is this is the idea you know, we can take a lot of, you know, we can take a lot of teaching just from our physiology. We sit yeah. and we call in what it is that we want. You know, we're not talking about reproduction and all that. I get it. But I'm, I'm saying that we can, we can also just sit there and surrender and say, this is what I want. This yeah. is how I want to be cared for, loved, you know, and I'm not going to be the one with like the to-do list and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. And we'll talk about love languages momentarily, but I'm just going to allow you to come to me and, you know, and be the man that I know, you know, if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, be the man um, that I know that you can be. 
Yeah. So profound what you just said, Stephanie. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing, salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. LMNT also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. You know, if, for you modern women's, that are listening to us, that are strong and independent. That's the biggest thing to integrate in the daily life. I wouldn't say the challenge because once it's, it clicks, like I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a, a client about a year ago. She was called France. France, super young woman, okay? Like very, very successful. She's a lawyer working in Montreal. And just to give you an, an idea, she's so successful. She bought a church and made it, made an office out of the church. So it's, it's huge, the success that she's having. And she calls me and she says, I, I don't know what to do because my life is amazing. I've succeeded in my career. I have money in the bank. I'm healthy. I think I look good. I mean, I'm intelligent, but every time I go out, it seems that it's, it doesn't work. I don't know what to do. I'm out of options. Mm. David, come in and just <laughs> give me a fix hand it. with it. <laughs> yeah, just, just fix, it for, yeah. fix it for me. So I just come into her office and I didn't know at that, at that moment. So I just get into her office beautiful, very impressive office. And we start talking and we talk for about maybe 15, 20 minutes. And it just, it strikes me really early on that, okay, so the challenge with France is that she's into that yang energy, but so much so that it exudes from her, from her skin. It's like, she's, she's so yang that obviously she's going to scare everybody because she's like, she's a lawyer and she's used to slay dragons and negotiates and go out there and kick asses and take names which is amazing. But, you know, early on, I, it took me about 30 minutes and I went, you know, friends, it's really easy. You just need to do a little shift and go a little bit more into your yin energy. So we start talking about it. And at first she's like, you really, I didn't even notice it. I mean, I don't think it's that. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about what we just had as a conversation for the past 30 minutes. What happened, your energy, how you were, the dynamic and our relationship together, what was happening. And I've pinpoint a few signals that, oh no. And then she realized that, okay, so I'm a little bit more yang, but in your office for the daily life, it's perfect. But the thing is at the minute that you get out of your work zone and you get into your more feminine side, you, you go out, you connect with the girls, uh, you, whatever you do, your, your daily life, the minute that you get out of work, then you need to shift into a different energy. So it was about conditioning some triggers. So for her, it was in the elevator. We triggered something in the elevator, just an anchor. So that the minute that she'd get into the elevator to go down, she would shift into a more yin energy, a more feminine energy about being more into receptiveness, being more into smoothness, being more into openness, just starting with her looks, how she looks, 
how she talks, how she learns to receive from people. Because when that's one of the biggest thing with being into the yin energy, it's about receiving. As you were saying with the egg, the egg is just there. It's standing there and it's waiting for the sperm to come. So when you understand that the magic happens when you are in that, not into the unther mode, but more into the, I'm right there. I'm available just like a flower with its perfume. Then it shifts the energy and the pheromones as well starts shifting in your body. And that creates a very different response in your direct environment. <laughs> I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the different love languages. I've been flirting with the, with the topic a little bit. And I think that um, you have a very interesting way of talking about yeah. of love languages. I was watching you on a French show, a French TV show. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about the different love languages? I think um, the one I was watching, you were um, likening them to animals. So we can, yeah. we can talk a little bit about, talk a little bit about I, that. I, Stephanie, I got to tell you that this one, when I learned it and tweaked it to my sauce, because I got to tell you to be very humble with it. I, I didn't create it. It was created by an author, an American author called Gary Chapman, really talented, very intelligent. He wrote a lot of books about it, a psychologist, if I'm correct, uh, a really interesting person. And when I, when I read the book, I kind of tweaked it to my sauce to make it even more. Uh, I, like, I like images. For me, it helps me remind, remember. So I just baptized kind of the love languages into four categories. So, well, the first thing that we need to clarify for people who don't understand, well, I'll just ask you, and I'm pretty sure you're going to give me a straight answer. What do you think is the most important human need, Stephanie? Um, I would say to be seen, heard, and understood and loved. Exactly. Seen, heard, understood, all of that could be considered being loved. So it's mm -hmm. being loved and loving back. So human beings, that's uh, the experience is not about making car payments. <laughs> it's right. about being right. loved. It's about being loved and loving. And when you leave, whatever your beliefs are on what's that, what happens next, usually what you'll think about is, have I loved and have I been being loved? What's interesting is that uh, we all have different ways of giving love and we have different ways of uh, receiving love when we really do feel that we're love. Like it's kind of imagine a cop and there's some actions, words, whatever, that when we receive them, we feel love. It fills our cups and some others, it doesn't. And the thing is, we're all unique. We're all different and we're all unique. We're all the same, but we're unique. So there's different ways that appeals to us as to give and receive love. So I'll give you the four great categories and then I'll explain them to you quickly. There's the cat. There's the dog, there's the goldfish, and there's the canary. So first one is the dog, uh, the, the, the cat. The cat is straight, I would say it's the, it's the kinesthetic one, kinesthetic one. So it's like loving touch. I want to be touched. It doesn't have to be sexual, by the way. It's just about when somebody touches me, I feel like I'm being loved, validated, appreciated. So when you're in a relationship, it's about... Uh, just, you know, I was about to say being pet, like affection <laughs> translation here in French. So it was about, it's about receiving affection. So it's just caress, just, you know, scratches, whatever it is. It could be hand on the shoulder, hand and on the back. Yeah. Anything that's a physical touch, it can be very subtle, but when you feel the physical presence of your partner for the cats, you feel that you're love. It's just like, look at a cat. It's very independent. It does, it does its thing. But then when it wants attention, it gets close to you and you know, it pets you. <laughs> it's like, Hey, I'm there. Just give me a little bit of love. And then right. when it's filled, it goes away and it's happy. 
So first one is scat. But then, you know, some people are going to go like, get away from me. I'm not a piece of meat. You're annoying me. So, but please tell me, I want to hear it. So these are the loving words. And this one is the auditory, the dog. You look at a dog. I have a dog. I love him. And he's called Henry. And it's like, oh yeah, you're such a good boy. You're a good boy. And he looks at me. It's like, ah, bad dog, bad dog. He's very auditory. He listens and he, when he hears some words, it affects directly his mood, how he feels. Here's the thing though. It's not about necessarily the words. That's very important. It's not necessarily about the words that you use, but it's your tone of voice, the modulation of your voice, the intention in your voice that supports the message. If you go, yeah, I love you. It doesn't work. But you know, if you stop and you just tell the person, your partner, I'm so happy to be with you. I'm so, I feel so privileged. You're such a gift in my life. I love you so much. It's like it goes into the ear and it goes straight down to the heart and it opens the heart and that person feels love. But for some others, it's going to be like, yeah, eh, talk is cheap. Prove it to me. And that one is the goldfish. You know, the goldfish, he's in his, you know, his fishbowl and he's doing his thing, but he needs to be fed, clean. So the goldfish is more about, that's where I merged two languages together. It's more about uh, gifts, gestures, attention. So it's about proving to the other person that you love that person. It can be gifts, but gifts, not only about material, but gifts that you taught off, that they symbolize something, a moment. You, I know that you love these cookies and I bought these cookies because I know you love them. Thank you. You remembered. I appreciate it. But it could be also, you know, you leave with the car, your partner, and you just fill it with gas or you cook the meal for the kids in the morning. Or, you know, you know what? Just go, go get a bath. Clean and, the kitchen. Uh, you clean yeah, the kitchen. Clean the kitchen and yeah, I'll put yeah. them to bed. Okay. So yeah. it's about gestures that proves that you love your partner. Mm-hmm. And at these moments, it's like proofs. Oh, he loves me. He's proving it to me. But for some others, it's going to be like, yeah. I really do appreciate what you're doing for me. But for me, the real gift is you. It's your presence. I want to be with you. I want to feel connected to you. And that's the canary. You know, the canary, it's like a little bird in its cage and it's doing its thing. But at the moment that there's someone coming in the room, it lights up like beep, 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 gets all excited and wants to connect. It does its own show. So the canary is the kind of person that, wants to do things with you that's going to make him feel, make her feel connected to you. So, you know, the things that you do when you start going out with someone in the beginning, walking in and ends, or just going to the restaurants or having long conversation when you look in the eyes of the other, or you do special stuff together and you're not watching TV through the dinner at night, but you're really talking, connecting. This is what the canary is looking for. It doesn't mean that it has to be all of the time. It just means that it wants presence, quality of presence, because these days there's a lot of people, they're together, Stephanie, but they're not really together. <laughs> they're busy. They're on their phone. They're texting. They're swiping Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, whatever. So they're not really there. They're not really present for a canary that literally kills the connection. So four kind of love languages. You got the cat, more of touching. You got the dog, the words, you got the goldfish, which is more about the gestures and the gift. And you got the canary, which is more about quality of presence. The thing that's important to realize here is that we all have these languages inside of us. 
all of them. And there's not one of them that's better than the other. They're all different, but equal. And we all have them. The proof of that is, well, when you meet someone and you're in a seduction mode, <laughs> you're going to use all of them. You're going to touch them. You're going to say nice words. You're going to bring them gifts, attention, and you're going to be really present. But the thing is, after a little while, when you get used to the person and the law of familiarity starts to come in, law of familiarity is the law that stipulates that you get used to everything that you're close to for a long time. So it can be your car, your house, or your partner. <laughs> it becomes part of the furniture, as we say in French, ça fait partie des meubles, parts of the furniture. <laughs> so when you get used to that, the, the person, then what happens is you go back to your predominant love language, meaning the one that you like to receive. When you have compatible love, love languages, then there's no, big, no biggie, no problem. But if they're different, it could be um, one of the reasons when you feel like you're growing apart or that you're not understood or that you're not connected because you don't speak the same love languages. Like, for example, if you got a, a partner that's a goldfish and you're a cat, what you want is just to be touched You, feel, you need to feel a physical connection. But the guy is a goldfish, so he's doing things for you. He's taking care of the house and he's cleaning, doing the groceries or uh, whatever, taking care of the kids. And you're like, I don't really feel love. And he goes, I'm doing everything that I can, babe. What, you, what more do you want from me? I, I don't need all of that. I just need you to touch me. But if you don't know that and you're not conscious of it, it's kind of more difficult to express this. You, the only thing you know is that you don't feel love until you actualize this in a conscious matter and then you realize okay what i need is just to be touched this is this is for me my predominant love languages and then from there you just have a good conversation so for people who are in a relationship it's about having the talk and knowing and for those who are single oh baby it's about if there's one thing i can tell you it's about prevention a lot more than curing so understand who you are, what are your love, what is your love language? And is it for you a must to have a partner that's going to have the same love language as you? Because it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I think that's so powerful because, um, if you are, you know, someone who is doing all of these acts of service, you're taking the trash, you're cleaning the kitchen, you're helping the kids get to bed. And the person is a cat, as you said, and they need to be touched. They're actually not going to perceive your actions as loving. They're going to exactly. dismiss it. They're not even going to see it. So it's yes. important to know how you like to love and be loved. It's usually the same. And my partner is, mm -hmm. my partner is a cat. He is like <laughs> always touching me, always hugging me. You know, you know, physic, his physicality, it's very important. Yep. His physicality is very important to him. Yep. And I would say that the quality time, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a mix between a canary and a dog. Like I like mm. that quality time. I like to have that all of his attention. And then I also love words, you know, that those words of affirmation, mm. I want to hear what he's thinking. I want to, you know, so I think it's, it's important because for a while we were, before we sort of knew what our primary and secondary uh, love languages were, we were sort of dancing around each other. And I'm like, it's really mm -hmm. great that he's always hugging me, but I just like, I just, <laughs> I just want to sit with him and talk, you know? So it, it, it can be, it, it, it can be a bit of a, you know, if you don't sort of sort it out, it can be yeah. a bit of a, um, uh, a point of contention. So yeah, absolutely so much. So for so many, so many people, so many relationships that I've seen just being, a lot of resistance in it because the, 
we love the way we like to receive it, right? Yeah. But if, yeah, we love the way we want it. Say so if it. you start, if you say, okay, I know this, I know I have a cat, I'm dating a cat. Yeah. So I now have to make sure that I'm touching him, that I, you know, rub, you know, give him a massage or like he likes his yeah. back scratch that, you know, yeah. actually just like a cat. Um, so <laughs> I understand it a hundred percent. I mean, and it's, it really is about, how much do you want the relationship to work when you don't have the same primary love languages? How much do you want the relationship to work? Is it really a priority for you or not? If it's not a priority, then you might neglect it. But if you neglect it for too long, then the connection fades because, you know, relationship is work. I, I hate to say it like this. We have a very popular singer in, in Quebec. It's, he's called uh, Jean-Pierre Ferland. And he has this single that says, L'amour, c'est de l'ouvrage, meaning in English, love is work. You need to work on it. You need to put energy in it. You need to feed it. So if you're putting all your energy in the kids, in the career, in the working out, then what's left for the relationship? So it's always a question of priorities and of choices. But if you want your relationship to work, like for me, this is one of my priorities in life. I've suffered very much a long time into my relationships. And at one point I said to myself, enough. I'm going to go through that process because I was really good at coaching people, but I didn't practice it myself <laughs> like many teachers. So I suffered a lot and I went into directions and relationship where I just, I lost a lot of feathers and it brought me down a lot. And at one point I said, you know what, this is, I had enough. I'm going to take, I'm going to really do this. I wouldn't say by the book, but I'm going to do the process, the whole process that I'm teaching just to attract to my, to, in my life, to me, a partner that corresponds to my essence. My essence to me is the unique part that's in me because we're all the same, but we're all completely unique, different. Like there's never going to be, there's never been an, a Stephanie before, and there's never going to be another one in the future. It's like you're, you're, you're a unique version of a human being, and there's never going to be another one like you. So your unique essence is something that is very powerful when you acknowledge it and you try to find a partner with whom it's going to fit perfectly. I wouldn't say perfectly because perfection has to be imperfect. There's always something. It's never perfect, which is part of the perfection. But, but the thing is, when you really aim for meeting someone with whom, you know, it fits on the deep levels, it, made, it makes life such a nice adventure. It's so easier. Like when I get in the castle... I want it to be smooth. I want it to be easy. But that is my way of seeing it. Some people, this is not how they, how they want to see it. Like that's another topic. It's another conversation. But like you have the equation of being happy in a relationship, short term, mid term and long term. And it, they, these are very different things. And when you get into the long term, you can go to two different directions. You can go into complementarity or compatibility. So compatibility, it means that we want the same thing. We're the same. We have the same love languages. We have the same priorities, same values, same dreams. So the boat doesn't rock. It's smooth sailing. It's nice. It's fun. This is what personally I prefer. And from the research, usually these couples tend to last longer. But some people, they go into complementarity. They, they, they like to compliment themselves. Like you go fast, I go slow. You're a spender, I'm a saver. You, you, you're always warm, I'm always cold, whatever it is. And these energy, they complement each other. So you're learning from the other, you're growing with the other, you challenge the other. But the thing is, 
it's more energet energetically, it's more draining. It's asking a bit more. When you get into the home and it's complementary, it's less smooth sailing. And the thing is, when someone who's looking for, mostly it's at the unconscious level most of the time un until you realize it when we teach it. But if you're looking for compatibility and you're with someone who's looking more for complementarity, short-term it works, mid-term it works, but long-term, here's what's going to happen. The one who's looking more for complementarity is going to start to rock the boat with fights, with, you know, is going to be nitpicking. He's going to be pushing the other's trigger for what? For the couple to feel more into movement and maybe to get makeup sex because there's this energy, this dance of, oh, okay, there's something happening. But this, for someone who's looking more for compatibility in the relationship, even if it's unconsciously, it kills the connection. So it's about... Long-term, what are you looking for into a relationship? What's your priority through the relationship? Because it can be like, I like to grow, be challenged in my, my work, but in my relationship, I like it to be very smooth, stable, same thing. And for some, some other people, it's like, I want it to be very stable at work, but I want it to be a little bit more like there's some action. It's like a, an action movie in my relationship. There's like, whoa, whoa. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. <laughs> how do you, how do you determine that? So how would you figure, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about when someone is dating, how do you determine, uh, what are like the must haves in a relationship? So if someone has identified, they say, listen, I want this compatibility route mm -hmm. where things are easy. They're filled with grace. They're filled with, there's not a lot of drama. There's not a lot of yeah. combat that's happening in the relationship. What are some of the ways that you might tease that out, you know, early on in dating? Like, as you said, there's sort of three phases. Mm. We know from the research, you know, around two to three years, all yeah. of the, you know, um, I don't want to say excitement, but more of the lust. Chemistry. Uh, the chemistry. Yeah, uh, usually that's, that's like the first stage short term. It's three months to three years, pheromones. It's God given. It's the chemistry. It's the glue that's make us, that's going to make us fit together. So it lasts between three months and three years. So at first when, you know, you, you meet someone and you go, Oh, I'm in love. Ah, you're in love. Come on, girl. You're not in love. That's a very teenage way of seeing a relationship. You're not in love. You're attracted to the person. You like the connection. You want to investigate. You, um, you feel very excited about the whole thing. Fine. But you're not in love because, you know, human beings, we tend to project a lot. So you, you know, 10% of the person and you project the 90% that's left, but it's all your imagination. You've, you don't know what it's like to live, share a living space with that person. You don't know what it's like when that person is living uh, difficult moments, trauma. It's it, he's been showing the best of himself. So you don't love him. You're attracted to him and you're uh, very excited with the pheromones, which they trigger a lot of things in your body. You know, you talk about hormones, but the, the thing is that is not love. <laughs> it's that's like a beginning of something. That's the short term. And then the midterm, which is actually the complete opposite. It's communication. It's the ability, the capacity to express what you're looking for, what you like, this turns me on, this turns me off. It, this makes me so happy when you do that. This makes me so angry when you do that. Like when you in the, and this all starts with authenticity, vulnerability, being authentic. It, it, it's it's kind of crazy, Stephanie, in, in, in our modern, modern day and age. Uh, when I coach people, there's a lot of them like, some of the first things that I need to teach them is to be real. 
<laughs> because we project show so much, so yeah. much it, with Instagram, with Facebook. It's all about getting likes and followers and projecting a dream life. Or and I ain't pointing fingers because the reason why I got into this huge depression is because I was in that Mr. Perfect persona. And I did that for a long time. And with the mother of my, my daughter as well, back in the days before we separated, I was playing it like, hey, I was Mr. Success and everything was going well, blah, blah, blah. Perfect life, perfect wife, perfect uh, vacation, perfect house, perfect everything. But the thing is, that was BS. So at one point, I dropped, <laughs> everything broke, my identity, I couldn't hold that mask anymore. So it kind of, it break, it broke. And then I built it myself back again, but not by adding, more by taking pieces out to allow myself to express who I really am, be authentic. So that's one of the biggest things that I teach people. I know I, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't answered your initial question, but for me, it's about when you meet someone, a lot of people there, it's a lot, it's about, especially in the beginning, it's about false representation. I want to make sure that he's going to like me, that he's going to have a good time with me, that he's even maybe love me. So I'm pushing all of the best in front. Just like if you're a shop owner, you, you're putting all of the best piece of clothing in front of the, the, the glass. And then there's the back store where all the crap is put. So for me, it's about, okay, fine. Especially a first date, have fun, see if there's a connection, but Ease into not, don't wait too long into the real stuff. I'll, I'll be um, super authentic with you by saying that. Like when I first met my wife uh, almost six years ago, second day that we had, I told her, I got to tell you, I'm in a depression right now. I'm just getting out of it. I, I'm almost bankrupted. My business is not going well. And I have an addiction to cannabis. So I, this is not picture perfect. I'm not like the, the knight on a shine, with a shining armor. But the thing is, I want to heal myself. I'm in a process and I, I'm going to get better. But right now I'm in a process where I cannot fake it and I cannot push something that is not true to you. I want to be honest and authentic. Well, that's an extreme way of doing it. But the thing is, that woman, she looked at me and she was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I really love it. Well, you know what? Since you're so authentic and sincere, here's what are my demons. And she shared her demons. And we started the relationship with truth, not fakeness, but realness. Truth. This is, this is who I am at this very moment. It doesn't define me for my whole life, but at this very moment, this is who I am. And since I healed myself, I completely changed myself. We created a sacred union together, got married together, and it's been an amazing adventure to be with this person. But the thing is, I think that if it's still going so well, and the reason why, and I see it with many of my clients, you start with the truth. So I know I'm not, I didn't answer your question about the must and the oh, deal breakers. A, well, we can come back to it, but I think that yep. this is so important because this comes back to, in some ways, around setting boundaries as well, right? So a lot yep. of uh, women, uh, we've done trainings um, around setting boundaries, around speaking their truth. And I think so mm -hmm. many women, we've been conditioned, whether it's through society or yep. their own cultural influences where women don't speak 
up. And we yeah. don't say, this is what I need right now. I think what you did with your wife, your now wife is so courageous because it's so rare. <laughs> you know, we all, it's like, it's the Instagram life. It's like, look yeah. at me here and look at me with this car and look at me with this. And I, and I think that being able to say, this is what I need. This yeah. is how, for, like back to the love language, this is how I like to be loved. Yeah. This is what I need in a, I want the compatibility. I don't want the, you know, I don't want the, uh, the, um, the complimentary, um, uh, life if that's what you've defined for yourself. So, um, I, I think it's so important. And I think this is how men and women, this is how we, um, we advocate for, and, and in some ways it also builds self-trust when you're able to yeah. voice, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is where I am right now. You are able to build trust in yourself that you can, you are the, uh, you know, it builds self-agency. Like yeah. I can take care of myself. I know I'm, you know, I'm, if you want to come for the ride, like love to have you here, but yeah. I'm not looking to you to fix it either, yeah. which I think is important as well. Absolutely. But there's a lot of people that they're looking for a relationship first and foremost, because they can't handle loneliness, not being alone, but feeling lonely, which is not the same thing because when you're feeling, feeling lonely um, is because you're not connected to the most important person, which is you. Because mm. when you're present to yourself, usually you don't feel lonely. You can be alone, but you, you're comfortable in that. But there's a lot of people that don't want to be lonely. So they're looking for a person, a partner to feel that void. And it's, you know, the classic of I'm half a circle. I'm looking for another half circle and we connect together and there's a relationship. But the thing is, that is a pattern of almost certain suffering. Because your happiness depends on somebody else. And if that person goes, then you're, you become, again, half a circle. So you're not, half, you're not a full person. So, and this is why the process that we teach, to me, I believe so deeply in it. Like you want to accelerate the process to attract love in your life. <laughs> like 40% is about the inner work initially. It's not about going out there. It's not about learning stupid, uh, you know, phrases to, to hook up with someone. It's like, it, that's, that's irrelevant to me. To me, it's all about doing the inner work, healing your past, understanding your limiting beliefs, clearing yourself of them, of liberating yourself of them, elevating, getting clarity on what you're really looking for, who you are, and shifting into that consciousness of, I am, a, I am unique and I am a gift. And the person that's going to get me in his life is going to be so blessed and so happy because I'm bringing so much to the table. It's going to be so awesome for that person. So it's, I'm a full circle. I'm looking for a full circle and together we mix. And in the middle, there's the relationship and we bring something to both to the table. And once you understand that you don't go into dating with the same mindset, you don't go into dating with the same energy because it's not about trying to get something. It's about trying to find someone with whom you're going to be able to build, contribute, make a difference in your life, in his life, and in the world together by building a strong union. I've heard you um, in preparation for our conversation. I was listening to um, a, t a show that you were on and you were saying, are you a C or are you an O? You know, like the C <laughs> is the half completed yeah. uh, person. And I, and I love that. And it's, it's very similar to what uh, we've talked about on the show. We've talked about codependence, which would be yeah. the C. And then mm. are you interdependent? So you mm. complement when you come together, it's a beautiful, magical um 
experience, but you're also whole individuals outside of your relationship that you uh, seek goals that are meaningful to you and you alone. And then of course, when you come together, you have core values. And, you know, I've talked about with my partner, so many, um, you know, people that we know have a common past, right? And that's what, what, that's the glue that holds them together. And I actually like thinking about it as having a common future. So we have a, we have a common future together. We're going to the same place. It's not that we went, we grew up in the same town or we went to the same high school or we, you know, that's not why we're together, but we have there's alignment in our core values. There's alignment in the direction um, that we're going in. So our futures are, there's a common future rather than a common past. Yeah, that is so beautiful and so true. When you rely only on the past, you're bound to repeat it. Like, but then again, the past does not, like one of my favorite mentors in the world, Tony Robbins has repeated that so many times. The past does not equal the future. But when you get caught into the past and your only connection is about the past, then you're stuck in it. But the most important thing, as you know, is not the past. It's the present. The past is a reference. It's a, it's a learning opportunity, but the present and the future is what keeps the relationship together and what makes the bond stronger and more connected when you have common goals, common core values, you're going in the same direction. This is what makes a relationship last throughout the years, if you want my opinion. But Beautiful. Anyway. Yes, I do want your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about... Um, you've talked about before that there's a love equation Uh, and I know we've we've kind of been touching a little bit on some of the, some of the themes there, but um, this is sort of a way to know whether a relationship can last through the ups and downs in life. Can you walk us through what that is? Well, actually it's, it's a bit what I've um, talked about a little bit earlier, meaning that the love equation is a way to understand and know what makes a relationship works throughout um, time. So there's short term, mid term, and long term. So short term, well, it's the chemistry, it's the pheromones. And the pheromones, we now know throughout the latest research that it lasts for about three months to three years. So at one at one point, it's bound to go. So if your relationship is only builded throughout the connection of the chemistry of the pheromones, which is amazing sex at the beginning, and the connection is amazing, but it's only about that, then it's going to take between three months and three years and you're going to face a huge wall, which is, I don't feel connected. I don't have the same libido, the same sexual drive anymore. So what's left? For some people, there's not much left and that's why it goes to another relationship. That's the first first thing that's short-term. Mid-term, it's communication, as I said. So it's about expressing what you want, what you don't want, your your. Uh, your values, your beliefs, your um, goals, midterm, long-term, where you want to go, what, what, for you, what's a relationship about, your love languages, your musts, your deal breakers. And once you understand that in a relationship and you share that with authenticity, authenticity vulnerability, it's kind of crazy. Some, I see a lot of relationships where there's, I don't have anything about having a secret garden. I think it's amazing, but there's a limit to the secret garden. I mean, what do you mean by secret garden? What is that? Well, the secret garden is uh, for some people, it's just they have their little thing that they want to keep for themselves. Uh. So, if, like I said, it's very, it's a tricky subject because look, if you want to have a secret garden about whatever, it, it's fine. But for me, a relationship, a true relationship is about opening up. Even if I go even deeper, uh, 
it's kind of tricky, but if I go into the spiritual sphere, for me, a relationship is about finding someone with whom you're going to be able to understand your wounds, heal them, evolve, and at one point, ultimately ascend. Ascension is every religion, every spiritual concept in the world, they talk about ascension, which is the elevation of the consciousness. And for me, when you get into a relationship, it's the best way to do it. Because after a little while, you know each other so much that you can push each other's buttons. So you can trigger reactions. You can, you know, trigger old wounds and past sufferings. But the thing is, it's a blessing because that's the best way to accelerate the healing and the evolution and the ascension of the consciousness. But having said that, you need to have a profound and deep desire to evolve. If your purpose in having a relationship is just to fill a void of loneliness, it's, it ain't going to cut it. <laughs> so having said that, you have short term, which are, which are the pheromones, the hormones. Then second, second term, midterm is communication. And then long term, it's about understanding the very subtle, dense balance between complementarity and compatibility, meaning which one do you prefer? And usually a good way to find it, to answer actually your question is look back at your past relationships, like the longest one. And what were you looking for in that relationship? What made you happy in that relationship? What made you at peace, what made you feel like you were evolving? Like I remember clearly I was in a relationship where it was about complementarity. I came in the house, I was stressed, but I was already stressed for my day. I was getting in the house, I didn't want to be stressed. I wanted peace. I wanted to be simple. And like you said, very superbly, I wanted to be more graceful in grace. And it wasn't that. So it drained a lot of energy out of me. And the thing is, when you come into your home, usually it's to recharge, replenish, to reconnect. So for me, it was about getting to a relationship that was more about compatibility. Like, for example, um, I, I have uh, Peter, one of my good clients, a good client. I saw him four times. Peter, we... He, clearly realized that one of his great passion is in life is cinema. He likes movie. Is it a good thing, a bad thing? It's, it depends on your point of view, on your perception, but he loves Netflix. He loves to sit down when he comes back from home. He doesn't want to read a book. He doesn't want to start cooking lessons or do anything too outrageous. He just want to chill and listen to Netflix. So who am I to say it's bad or it's good? That's what he wants. Okay, well then understand that you're looking for a partner who's going to be on the same level as that. Because you're, if you find a right. partner who is more into sports, going out, it will work at first because, you know, you're going to put a bit of water into your wine until there's so much water that the wine doesn't taste like wine anymore <laughs> right. because you're doing too much of negotiations. Mm -hmm. So it's about initially being mindful, being conscious of, where you're going, what drives you, and what, what makes a perfect week for you, like a work week, a weekend, what are you looking for? And this is all into the classic, super, super classic, but so important list, the list and the musts and the deal breakers. Like when you're looking, before you start looking for a partner, that's one of the things that we teach that is so important. It's actually midway through the process of Ready for Love. And it's about creating, getting clarity into your list. So what kind of ideal partner are you looking for? 
physically, yes, emotionally, intellectually, uh, uh, spiritually, sexually. Sex drive is very important to understand that you know we don't have all the sex, the sex, the same drive. So if at first we always want more, of of course, but at one point we go back to our natural rhythm. So if we don't have the same rhythm, there it could. There can be a lot of frustrations because of that. So it's important to know what you're looking for. And ultimately, you need to clarify what are your musts and your deal breakers. And the musts and the deal breakers are the non-negotiable. These are so important. Non-negotiable. Meaning, Betty, you meet Christian Gray and you go, oh, goodness gracious, I've met Christian Gray. He's so good looking. He's, a, he's not a millionaire. He's a billionaire. He takes me on his yacht and in, on his plane and he's kinky and I love it and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, Christian doesn't want kids. And it's your lifelong dream. You've been dreaming of having a kid since you were that young. And for you, it's a priority. It's a must. Girl, I know it's a hard call. It's a difficult choice, but leave. Leave. You're going to suffer. Otherwise, you're going to suffer. But the thing is, most of the time... He's not going to change. Like, he's, he's not going to change. He's but... not going to want the kids. No, but we go into that beauty and the most... Uh, beauty and the beast syndrome. Beauty and the beast syndrome. With my love, he's going to change. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, he's going to change his mind. I'm going to make him change his mind. I'm going to love him so much. So for you, it's a must to have kids. Like on the other side, one of a deal breaker for you is cigarette. Like you don't like smoking cigarette and everything, kissing a guy who's smoking. Ah, oh, it's like, I don't like it. You meet a guy, he's perfect in all things, but he smokes and he clearly won't stop. So you can go, ah, I'm going to get used to it. That's all right. He brushes his teeth. He takes a little gum, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, at first, it's not a problem, but once the love familiarity kicks in and you get used to the person, now it's going to become a problem. And you're going to go like, well, I, you've met me. I smoke. What, why? What? It's, yeah, but I'm so tired. You need to change. You need to take care of your health. And If it's a deal breaker, don't go into it. If it's a must, it needs to be there. If it's a deal breaker, it, it needs to not be there. And if it is, I'm sorry, but you need to keep going. And that's the way it is. It's difficult, but that's the way it is. And this is boundary setting. This is another exercise exactly. in boundary setting. Like this yeah. is up to this is okay. Beyond that is not okay. Yeah. So I'm okay with someone if they have the occasional drink, but if they're drinking every night, three glasses of wine or beer or whatever it is, that's, you know, crossing a boundary. So I think it's important. One of the exercises that um, my partner did actually before he met me was very similar to what you're saying, where he wrote out a list. He called it the misses, like the ideal misses. And it was like yeah. all the things that he wanted in a partner, like good with kids and wanted kids and career oriented, all, all the things. Yeah. And when he met me, he was like, oh my gosh, it was, it was I think it was 50, 50 items. And it was like 49 out of the 50 wow, items. Wow. That's know, a good so, match. So he was able to say, okay, so uh, you know, and the way, he, the way Gio has explained it, um, mm -hmm. Giovanni is his name, uh, yeah. the way that he oh. has explained it is, you know, out of a sea of, of purple people, you know, you were the yellow person, like you yeah. stuck out because I had defined what the yellow person looks like, yeah. you know, so it's very easy. You know, I really like that exercise uh, yeah. that you're talking about in ready for love, because it helps you really define first. Yeah. It also gives you, uh, um, 
insight into who you are and what your core values are. Right. But then you're able to recognize those things in the, in the other person when they, when they present themselves. And on a very biological uh, perspective, there's a part of the brain that's really near the epiphys. I don't know if it's the right word in English, but anyways, it's a part of the brain that's called the RAS, the reticulated activated system. Yeah. That's the same. Same in English, yeah. And Reticular the part, activating system. Exactly. Yeah. And the, 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 that part of the brain is specifically there to help you see what you're looking for. So once you get clarity, then, you know, it just, it beams out. It's the exact same thing as you're shopping for a car and then you get out of the dealer and you see the exact same model of the car everywhere. Why? Because you, you've gave notice to that part of your brain. So it's the same thing for partners. Once you have clarity on what you're looking for, so many people, they're like, nah, you know, life's going to bring me a partner. Don't get me wrong. For some people, it works. Being surprised by life, it works. But from my experience and my research, 15 years of doing this, it's, it works much better when you get clarity on what you're looking for. So I think, um, you know, I would love for you to walk uh, through a little bit of the Ready uh, for Love program. I think that, you know, uh, many of us can learn from the French when it comes to uh, when it comes to love. (laughs) I would say the same is true for Italians, but I think the French and the Italians, they know what they're talking about uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to love. So walk us walk us through what the Ready for Love program is. Is it for is it for someone who's already in a relationship? Is it for someone who's just single and looking like tell? Tell us about, okay. tell us about the program. So maybe to put it in context, uh, I've been a love coach now for 15 years. I've coached not hundreds, but literally thousands of people. And, um, when the pandemic started, it, it kind of, I got struck by lightning. I was actually, actually, I was asking to be guided by my whole being of showing me what was the next step for me. And it became really clear that there was so much suffering, so much questioning, so much confusion in the dating world because of the pandemic that people needed more tools and it needed to be more accessible than just me coaching one-to-one. So that at that point, I had the, the epiphany or the idea to create a program, which I initially did in French, which was called Prêt pour l'amour, Ready for Love. And we actually created that program just not expecting anything. There was no expectations. We just put it out there and we had not a big, not a huge, an immense success with it. Thousands of people uh, went through the process. And from these thousands of people, we had thousands of testimonials of people that just went, wow, I thought I was going in there to attract love, but I had like a raise or I had a promotion at work, or I had an amazing reconciliation with some members of my family, or I actually, I found love. Now it's in the thousands. I'm still waiting for the first baby of ready for love, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it for a lot of people, it changed their lives. So what is it exactly? Well, it's a program that I've created for people to the pitch, Attract the partner of your dream, the real mission, really connect with yourself, fall back in love with yourself, fall in love with yourself and integrate and grow an energy that is so strong that it's going to help you create manifest in your life at many, many levels, a lot more than love, but love is the main thing. So it's 13 weeks of me teaching you in about 18 hours in 13 weeks of me teaching you few concepts. So it's, it's devised in three concepts, connecting with yourself, connecting with others and taking a leap 
I would say leap of faith, getting out there on the field and doing stuff. So the first weeks are about learning how to accept what is, rooting yourself in the presence, aligning yourself. Then you get into healing your past, understanding your past. What is the heritage from your past? How can you grow, learn, evolve from it? Then you, you learn about um, getting um, taking care of your inner garden, like weeding out all of the limiting beliefs and sowing seeds that are going to help you get into a different state, a different energy. Then you get into the next phase of the program, which is more about um, creating a list, affecting your own luck, because this is something luck, it can be created, it can be affected by your consciousness. So how can you influence your own luck, attracting the partner of your dream? Um, we talk about some very original subject, like the Feng Shui of love, how symbolic effect very much so, Stephanie, how you will create and manifest in your life. A lot of symbolic. We don't, we don't, most people don't realize it, but pictures, sculptures, paintings, the way things are placed in a house, they affect a lot the energy of the place, your, your capacity to manifest, but also your capacity to attract love in your life. So we talk about that for a whole week. Um, and then we get into taking the leap of faith. And this is all about a lot of what I would say the more like on the field process. So how can you connect with people more easily? And we teach, we teach a lot of um, non nonverbal communication. So how, how can you create some bonds faster? How can you be more authentic, more vulnerable? Uh, have a good night. The biggest mistakes that the single do when they date and it, finally, we talk about how to grow into a relationship. And there's a whole week that's completely just directed on learning everything, love languages, ultimate love equation, um, you know, the investments that you can do with your partner if you're a woman or if you're, if you're a man, uh, the biggest pet peeve. So all of the thing that you can, you know, use and direct to grow a relationship that will last throughout time. So yeah, 13 weeks. Uh, about 18 hours of content. It's super huge. There's nine audio tracks as well because there's a lot of techniques that I, I really wanted to put in so that the people, when they, they do the process, they can listen to them. And there's about almost a whole book, 110 pages of exercises that we give with it that people, it's kind of, we call it drip content. I think it means that uh, you get access to a bit of the material every week. So it's not, you, you don't get the whole shebang in it's one week. It's not overwhelming. Yeah. It's every week you get a little bit that you have. You have some homework, some exercises, and there's 10 Facebook lives throughout the program. So you're not alone in it. You get access. That was actually the biggest thing uh, that I wasn't expecting. We grew a huge community of thousands of people in French. So now we're doing it for the first time in English, but it's a huge community of people that were alone and are not anymore that can connect together, that are going in the same direction, that want to grow, evolve, uh, open their consciousness and, you know, attract love. So initially the question is, it's mostly addressed to the people who are single and are looking for love, but we have about 20% of the people who do the program that are in a relationship and just want to get better, evolve, heal themselves, liberate themselves from past hurts and get to a new level. So basically that's about it. <laughs> I think, well, I think, um, you know, whenever we're thinking about being in a relationship with someone else, one of the most important, like, as you've mentioned, you connect with yourself, you have to love 
you first, because that's not going to, if you don't love yourself, if you can't see the magic that you bring, it's going to be very difficult for you to fully love the person in front of you. So I I think that, uh, you know, in, I know that maybe more people who are looking for love uh, are going to take this course, but this would be something that I would take, you know, if I'm looking for how to up level and I'm in a relationship, like how I, how I'm looking to up level my, how I show up in my relationship. I also think that there's a lot of value there. So we'll make sure that the links for ready for love are in the show notes. It'll be a clickable link and you'll be able to go directly to the site. Um, David, it was just so wonderful uh, chatting with you today. I'm so glad that Martin introduced us. This has been (laughs) so one, it's been such a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you. I feel very blessed. It was a magical moment. Like, we were actually joking about it because when I logged into uh, the Zoom uh, meeting, it was like, you're about to embark on a magical carpet. I was joking <laughs> about it with you. But the thing is, I really felt that I had a magical moment with you, Stephanie. Thank you very much. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only.